Hello, and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health of the community. My name is Hannah Mugford, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Steve Sultanoff from the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Today, we will be discussing therapeutic humor. Let's get into today's conversation. Okay, so hi, Steve. Thanks so much for coming on with us today. Hello, my pleasure to be here. Um, all right, so why don't we start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself, your background in mental health, and what brought you to the field of humor therapy? Okay, well, that's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I was trained at a very uh, research-oriented uh, oriented institution, and I don't think the word humor was mentioned once during my entire training. And I'm not the guy that's particularly funny in the world. I'm not a funny person, but I've always been interested in humor and I'm very playful and creative. And I went to a conference years ago and they were talking about humor and psychotherapy. And this was the a conference of great psychologists. And they told stories about humor and therapy, but they didn't have any substance. And that made me curious. Later, I attended a humor conference, and they had a little bit of substance about humor, but not the insight into psychotherapy. So that began my journey, and then I found what was at, then, at that time called the American Association for Therapeutic Humor, and that was in 1992, last century. And that organization fit for me, and they knew a lot about therapeutic humor, and that propelled me along the way to start to begin to integrate humor into my practice as a psychotherapist. Okay, and so the the association that you belong to now is called the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Is this the same um, one that you joined in 1992? It's just the newer, kind of bigger version of it? Yes, it's the same version. We decided that saying the American Association was limited and we wanted to appeal, have a worldwide appeal. So we were able to change the name and keep the initials AATH and that connected with our website, which is AATH.org. So it is the same association and I have been very active in it uh, since that time. I was a president for two years on the board for six years and today doing presenting for the organization as well as work behind the scenes. Oh, very good. And uh, what is it that the association does? I mean, I know I've, I've been on the website, you guys do a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. But when it comes to sort of offering a humor therapy in different kind of settings, what, what kind of stuff do you guys do? Okay. Well, the first thing, let me mention, you use the term humor therapy, and people use that and laughter therapy. Personally, I don't believe in humor therapy or laughter therapy as a therapy that both laughter and humor are therapeutic. And so what I do is therapeutic humor and the association is more oriented toward therapeutic humor, which can be integrated into any other profession or not profession into everyday life. So uh, I don't like the term particularly humor therapy, although I understand why people see it that way. So then let me mention the, the association. We have an annual conference and we all get together from all over most of the United States, but we have people from internationally people come. We have people from Mexico, Australia, uh, Norway, just um, some places in Africa, uh, just off the top of my head. And at this conference, the idea is that we're trying to educate the members or other people who attend 
in the therapeutic value of humor so that they learn how to use humor to be helpful to others, to help people to feel better out in the world, to shift negative experiences. So that's that's one of the main things that we do. We also have what's become very popular and very powerful, something called the Humor Academy. And this is a three-year program where people who join the Humor Academy are basically, it's like a, a certificate in therapeutic humor. In fact, that's exactly what it is. It's a certificate in therapeutic humor. And during the three years, every year at the conference, people enrolled in the academy take uh, courses during uh, the day before the conference. So we have three levels, one, two, and three, depending on whether you're first year, second year, third year. And then there is each person in the Humor Academy is assigned to a member of the association who's very experienced and they then work with that person during those years to do the work of the academy and that culminates with a project and people choose their own, own project at the conference that i just attended one, one woman was telling me that her project was to write a book about humor and have that be her project. She just graduated and is having her book coming out in the next few weeks. So that could be one outcome. Some people do research projects. Some people do interpersonal projects where they go around, for example, distributing clown noses all over the world. Uh, that could be at our pins or concepts. So it's a wide range of people in the Humor Academy as well as the things that they create or do. We then have chapters, uh, not a lot, but I don't know how many we have these days, maybe between five and ten chapters all over the country. I belong to the Southern California chapter, and we meet periodically, once again, to discuss therapeutic humor, to look at what the new research is saying, how can we better communicate to the community. And then we have some online activities, including monthly meetings where people get together and share what they're doing and their interests in the field of therapeutic humor. And then we also periodically have trainings beyond the conference, and usually those are Zoom trainings. So it might be a week where uh, each day there's a different topic for maybe two hours and a professional speaker comes in and talks about that topic of humor. So that's basically what we do as an organization. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that you, did you have a, a, a clinical practice at one point? Were you offering a therapy to clients? Yes. Um, my career has had many pieces to it. And one was I had a clinical practice and I integrated humor into my work with my clients. I also have been a professional speaker most of my life where mostly would do continuing education training for psychologists, marriage counselors, social workers, professional counselors, sometimes nurses. And within that, I would one of the trainings that I did would be in therapeutic humor. So I would do those two things. And I'm also a professor at Pepperdine University. And today that's the one thing that I do most. I've closed my practice. I retired from my practice about five, six years ago. I'm still presenting, but I'm doing far less than I once did. And the one thing that I do regularly is that I teach in the Masters of Psychology program at Pepperdine. Oh, very cool. And, uh, and what, would, what would therapeutic humor look like in a clinical setting? That's a great question. First of all, if you were watching me work with clients, you would not even know that I was using humor therapeutically because therapeutic humor is used not 
like a laugh therapy or joke after joke or funny story after funny story. But given whatever event is happening with the client, I might do something humorous with that event. I might make an exaggeration that they would see as absurd and that would tickle the fun their funny bone. I might have them review the event and come up with thinking about it differently, perhaps in a humorous way. So if you saw me do two or three therapeutic humor interventions in the traditional psychotherapy that I would do, that would be kind of an average and common thing for me to do. So that's how I integrate it into practice. But then most people wonder, well, what's the therapeutic value of humor? And people get confused thinking humor and laughter are the same. Sure. So my work has been to separate out the responses to humor that are therapeutic. So humor in itself is a stimulus, something you hear a joke, it's a stimulus, or you perceive something as funny, whatever that thing is, is a stimulus. The response is where the, the therapeutic part comes in. And one response is laughter. Mm -hmm. And laughter is the physical response to humor because we physically experience laughter. Our muscles contract, we breathe more heavily. And I'm going to put the biochemical part maybe till later if we have time, but there are biochemical changes that are positive when we experience laughter. So everybody talks about laughter as being very important in the therapeutic realm. That's true, but where my work goes is equally important and particularly for someone like a psychologist or somebody that's working with someone as a, a generic term therapist and that is humor changes how we feel mm -hmm. and the emotional response to humor is what i call mirth so this mirth reaction is when people feel joy feel uplifted feel pleasure and what's true is that distressing emotions like feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling angry, and the experience of humor can't occupy the same psychological space. So when you experience humor, mirth, it dissolves the distressing emotion. So as a therapist, I can help clients to feel better in the moment by integrating humor. I could demonstrate that with them in the session. If they experience my humor, then I can ask them if they feel whatever distressing emotion, say they feel anxious, if they still feel anxious. And in that moment, the, the feeling anxious goes away. Does mm -hmm. it come back? Well, of course, but they have a tool now to use outside of therapy to reduce their distressing emotion so they can engage in a humorous event. So that's a second benefit response to humor. The third I call wit. And wit is the cognitive reaction to humor. Perhaps Peanuts cartoons would be a great example where you don't necessarily laugh, necessarily laugh at Peanuts cartoons, but right. in that moment you get it. Yeah. And that shift of thinking is therapeutic. From a psychological standpoint, we know that most distressing emotion is caused by negative thinking. And we know that humor adds perspective, changes negative thinking. Mm -hmm. So when we look at this therapeutic value of humor, we have the value that's physical laughter, emotional mirth, cognitive wit, and something like I have now coined the term for that I came up with last year, although we've always known this was present, is the social glue, the social lubricant, the social bonding that occurs with humor. I now call that relational fusion. And okay. relational fusion is the bond that you feel when you experience something as funny. So now I have four reactions to humor uh, the, that would be the physical, the emotional, the cognitive, 
and the social. And all four of these have measurable biochemical outcomes that are positive. Uh, most of the research is with laughter because we can see people laughing, we can observe that. It's easy to measure the emotional and the, the cognitive and the social are much more difficult to measure. The, the biochemistry of laughter shows that when we laugh, that certain antibodies are increased. Uh, serum cortisol, which is known as the stress hormone, is mm -hmm. decreased. So you'll hear that humor or laughter reduces stress. That's the biochemical piece. And um, so we have the antibodies that fight upper respiratory infection. There's uh, some biochemistry around heart disease that we see, uh, lower blood pressure, for example. And then the one thing that everybody thinks is happening, but we've only recently gotten decent research on it, is the secretion of endorphins. And right. there's only one really good study in the, um, that was in the last five years. And it does show that with laughter, we do get a secretion of endorphins. And another really good study looked at pain tolerance and said, well, because the mechanism of pain tolerance is the secretion of endorphins, then probably this pain tolerance research that we did, even though we don't have the biochemistry to show it was endorphins, it probably was. So that kind of wraps up the the health benefits or the wellness benefits of humor. Now there's a lot more, but that's the fundamental part of therapeutic humor. Oh wow, that's that's really extensive actually and uh, really interesting. Um, because I think it's just it's you know humor in general is just something that all obviously we all experience and it's something super relatable and it's pretty easy. It's you know we can all just like find a funny video or go chat with a friend and there you go, right? So you can right. find these therapeutic effects so easily, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So very accessible in that way. Um, so, but, so let's just pivot a little bit. Do you find that there's um, any sort of limitations when it comes to this? Like maybe certain circumstances in which humor can have the opposite effect like it's, it's not that it necessarily that it's inappropriate but maybe that someone is using humor as a crutch and it's and it, therefore it's not really good for their emotional or psychological well-being any comments on that kind of idea sure uh you're really hitting a very important point and this goes to why we try to train people in the therapeutic value of humor that it's important to understand your audience how receptive would someone be to humor? So we have criteria that we use to look at how receptive an individual might be. What situations is humor most risky? So for example, when the person is in crisis, whatever that crisis is, it could be a health crisis, it could be a job crisis, it could be a family crisis that when somebody is in crisis, they're less receptive to humor. And it's important to know how do you offer humor to someone in crisis if you wanna take that risk. If you're close to the person, you're, you can take greater risk than if you don't know them very well. So there are all sorts of nuances around using humor I'm going to say therapeutically uh, with others and not just randomly using humor all the time or saying, well, because I know humor is healing, I'm just going to use it with everyone there. As you're pointing out, there certainly are times when it's better perhaps to hold back and not use humor. Or if you use humor with someone and they react negatively to know how to respond to a negative reaction. 
And as a psychologist, I'm trained in how to respond to clients that react negatively to any intervention that I make. So sure. I know what to do. For your average person, they probably don't know what to do. And, and generally what they do is backtrack. That is say, well, I was just kidding or I'm sorry. But we try to train people in our humor academy in other kinds of responses in order to heal whatever tension just occurred between us because my humor wasn't experienced therapeutically by you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that, I think we've all been there too, where a joke goes awry or something like that. And uh, yes. so I just was curious on, but I mean, I guess that's like you said, that's something that you guys like sort of dive into in the academy when you're getting the training. Yes, that's absolutely true. Okay, awesome. Um, so I just want to have, I have one last question. And I was wondering if there's any particular, I mean, I know you've been with the uh, association for a long time, and you've had a, like a long, illustrious career. Uh, but is there anything, any one story in particular in relating to therapeutic humor that was very inspiring? Or maybe you went into a very um, sort of serious situation was able to kind of lift people out of feeling down anything I just wanted to hear something inspiring that you have a memory okay um let's see all right this is my favorite story I have okay. a client I'll try and make it as relatively brief I had a client that I had been seeing for five years and she's a client that I introduced as being absolutely dedicated to her depression there are some people that are dedicated to whatever emotional state that they have. So I was working with her for five years. I'm a very skilled therapist in a variety of modalities, working with all these modalities. Nothing's touching her depression. She goes to a psychiatrist. She takes medication. But when someone's dedicated to being depressed, medication doesn't help. After five years, I was ready to terminate therapy with her, move, you know, transfer her to someone else. I wasn't helping. And I decided to start using humor. Uh, and that was because this was at the very beginning of my humor career. So I was going to try something to me that was highly risky. So she comes in one day and during the session, I say something very funny. And she says to me, I don't like when you do that. And I said, yes, I know. Next week, she comes in and I said something again, very funny. And she becomes a little more adamant, says, I really don't like when you do that. And I said, yes, I know. Then I let it go again. Third week comes in and I do something really, really funny. And she gets really adamant, adamant with me. She said, you know, I really don't like that. I don't like when you do that. And I said to her, and what is it about me using humor that bothers you so much? And she looked me right in the eye and she said, when you make me laugh, I don't feel depressed. Wow. And the light bulb flashed in the room because we had talked about her being dedicated to her depression. She said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to feel depressed. And in that moment, she got it. Wow. Two weeks later, she comes back and she says, you know, this humor stuff really works. I about fell out of my chair. What in the world could you be talking about? And I said, well, tell me about that. She said, last week, I was really depressed last weekend. And I went over to Blockbuster, you know, rent a video in the old VHS days. And I rented a Woody Allen movie. And after watching the movie, I felt so much better. 
And that was the beginning of five more years of therapy. And I used a lot of humor with her. She used humor with me. If we had time, I could go on with story after story about how she began to use humor. And when we ended therapy, she told me that humor was the second most significant aspect of her life, only behind her religious beliefs that she was very devout in her religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my favorite client stories around the use of therapeutic humor. Wow, that's that's incredible, actually. It's, it was that simple, you know, it's yes. that just it was that, that one simple. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. Wow. No, I, I love that. That's the, that's the perfect story. Okay, <laughs> kind of wraps it all up for sure. Uh -huh. Okay, well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This is such a fascinating sort of area of therapy that I don't think that we think of immediately as therapy. Right, right, right. right. And actually, if we have two minutes, I have two minutes of something I'd like to say, but if we don't have time, I understand. Oh, no, go right ahead. Okay. So one thing that we like to do is differentiate ourselves from comedians and therapeutic humorists. Because if you go to a comedy show, when you leave that show, you feel better. You experienced therapeutic humor. However, the or you actually experience humor that was therapeutic we okay. try to differentiate a, a, a comedian is an entertainer and the goal is to entertain a byproduct is that people feel good as someone promoting therapeutic humor my goal with whoever i am doing humor with is to help them to feel better. I wanna have a well-being, a therapeutic impact. And sometimes when I do that, it's entertaining as well. But we differentiate ourselves from comedians and entertainers and other people who are funny people who may have a therapeutic impact, but it's not therapeutic humor because to be therapeutic humor, it has to be intentional and purposeful for the well-being of the receiver. And it could be as simple as when I check in at a hotel and I show my Elvis driver's license and <laughs> people laugh at that and, and enjoy that. And I'm doing that not just to be entertaining, but I know how much trouble hotel people go to uh, um, and how much garbage they experience often. So I give them a moment of lightness, of playfulness, of joy. And that to me is my use of therapeutic humor. I'm purposefully trying to make their day brighter. So I just wanted to kind of separate out those two pieces because somebody in your audience might be wondering what's the difference between going to a comic or going to someone like myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, that's, that's a very good point. So what you're saying essentially is that therapeutic humor is sort of done with the other person's well-being in mind. Like that's the bottom line. Exactly, exactly. Not just to make them laugh. Exactly, that's right. Right. Okay. That makes perfect sense. But yeah, I did. I didn't think of that uh, distinction because actually, you know, what's interesting. I, I think I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but on your website, do you, part of the association, do you have stand-up comedians that are members? Of your oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And okay. there are many stand-up comedians that go into the field of therapeutic humor and intend to be therapeutic when they're doing their stuff. There, there are people like that, but most comedians are, are there to entertain. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Okay, well, thanks for clarifying that. I really appreciate sure. it. Okay, well, thank you, Steve, so, so much. Uh, My once again. And, um, you know, hopefully, well, I can get the word out about therapeutic humor, excuse me, not humor therapy, <laughs> and uh, and uh, spread the word. And I think it's a really cool topic for people, for people to learn a little bit more about. Mm -hmm. Great. 
Thanks again, Steve. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you at the next episode.